Pickaxe. Welcome, buddy. Hey, nice to be here. Um, so, and what's your name? What do you go by? Uh, you can call me Zorian. Zorian. Okay. Welcome, Zorian. And so I, I didn't realize this until I, you know, hit the go live button on stream, but apparently we're going to be, you're, you were a member of a cult before? Yes, I was a cultist. Okay. Oh, a cultist. So that, that sounds like, a, that sounds like a class. You know, it's like, <laughs> it makes it sound fancier, right? Yeah. And, and, um, people are curious, are, are you're a cultist of, of our cult or a different cult? Different cult. Different cult. Okay. So maybe we can convert you by the end. Um, yeah. So, so I was brainwashed. I, I was brainwashed. Oh, that, okay. that's, well, that's the wow. kind of cult. So, um, is that what you want to talk about today or you want to talk about something else or? Yes. So we can talk about that. And I was thinking maybe, uh, we can talk about, uh, the psychological, the harm it did to me, I suppose, like the insecurities sure. I have because I grew up in that environment or what happened after leaving. Yeah, I, uh, uh, Zorian, I would love to hear about that. And if there's some way that, that, you know, we can support you with some of that stuff, I'd, I'd really love to try. Um, okay. So why don't we start with, um, you know, kind of like how you joined? Or actually, let's so, start with like, like where you grew up and stuff like, you know. Okay. So here's how I joined. I was born. That's how I joined. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what, so what growing up was third, like. Yeah. Third generation. Third. Okay. In the cult. Wow. Like my parents were already in the cult when I, when I joined. Okay. When you were born. <laughs> sure. You can call it that if and, you want. And do you feel comfortable telling us like what the cult was or is that something you want to, you know, we don't want to do anything that will get you in trouble or, or anything like that. It, it's not a big deal. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. So what can you tell us about the like what growing up was like in the cult? Yes. So you asked earlier what the cult was about. Did you? Okay. Sure. So it's it was a sex cult. Okay. The leader was a pedophile. Okay. Oh, God. Yes. What does that mean? It was a sex cult. Like what is the. Okay. So. The cult had a tradition of free sex. Okay. And uh, the idea was, there was a tradition called flirty fishing, where women would give, like, they would prostitute themselves to gain converts. To gain comforts? Converts. To converts, okay, okay. Conversions, yeah. Yeah. And, and like, so is this like an organization or what? Like, how does yes, that- Yes, it, it's called the Family International. The or the children of God. Have you heard of it? <laughs> no, but boy, okay. does that does that sound like a cult, dude? The family internet. Look it up on Wikipedia. Look it up. Okay. Sometime. So, can you tell us, Zorian, a little bit about like you know what? Um, tell us maybe a little bit about your parents and and what it was like living with them growing up. Sure. So, I had a, a kind of a, a unique situation uh, even inside the cult because my parents were missionaries for the cult. Okay. Uh, they, what they would do is they would go around from city to city proselytizing. Okay. Yeah. And as a result, life growing up was, uh, we would resettle every 18 to 24 months. Okay. New house, new home, new neighborhood, a new city, different country, etc. 
And and how would they proselytize? So we would go out and let me see if I can remember exactly. So we would get people interested about the cult, like maybe tell, try to shame them or guilt trip and guilt trip them into their negative habits. And then they would, we would tell them about Jesus, right? And we would get them to uh, say a prayer. And then we would, uh, like, my parents, how they did it was, from what I recall vaguely, they did a sales pitch on the, the cult, I think. Okay. And just getting people to join. That was the idea. Um, so, Zorian, can we actually take a step back from the cult for a minute? And like, just what was it like growing up for you? Like, were you in school and like siblings, yes. friends? So I was, I was, I was homeschooled a lot. Okay. So. And social interaction was limited. Uh, for example, uh, no, no, like I had no access to books, no access, uh, like unset. there was heavy censor censorship. Okay. No books, no internet, no music, except music designed by the cult, no magazines, nothing. Nothing that could harm uh, the image in our heads of, of the cult. And what right? was nothing the image? Nothing that could clue us in. What was the image that you grew up with of the cult? Um, so I felt like we were the chosen ones. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, so let's see. So the cult was rife with conspiracy theories. Hmm. Uh, like there was this, this idea that the Illuminati was pulling the world strings mm -hmm. and that the system, anything outside the cult was evil, hmm. right? To kind of scare us from trying to um, access outside information, right? Okay. And they tried to instill a sense of superiority in us to try and push non-believers away so that we wouldn't get contaminated right that's that's my analysis Not yeah and and so if you if your parents moved to a new city like i'm curious when you're like eight years old and you don't go to school and you're not given access to books or the internet like literally how would you spend your day like what okay, would so so that's interesting. When when I was um, so let's be let's be a, a little bit more into details. So I went to a regular school, second grade and third grade. Okay. And then from fourth grade up, my parents decided to homeschool me completely because uh, I don't know what the reading was. Okay. Actually, I think I begged I begged them to homeschool me. Maybe that was my fault. <laughs> Um, do you remember how you felt when you begged them? Yes. So I was constantly bullied in school. Okay. And, um, so I had, okay. So I, the reason why I begged them to homeschool me was because before second grade, they were already homeschooling me. I see. Oh, so, so they were homeschooling you. Then you went to second grade. And do you have a sense of why you got bullied? I was, hmm. so it's a very, very long time back, but. Yeah, a lot of times people don't remember. 
No, I think it was uh, I had a sense of being holier than you. Okay, so so it was sort of like a superiority kind of thing that was baked into you. Yes. Okay. And then, yeah. So once you started getting homeschooled, then what was that? What were your days like? I would receive classes in the morning, I guess. Oh yeah. So there's there was this thing, um, this horrible, horrible tradition, which I hate it absolutely, called devotionals, which is like um, mandated brainwashing. Uh, Routine activities, shall we call it? Like, okay. So my parents would gather us children for um, a time of prayer, you could say, you could call it. And we would read the Bible, we would read um, materials uh, like written or published by the cult. Uh, we would listen to music, we would pray, we would do stuff like that. We memorize Bible verses, that kind of stuff. Okay. We listen to music designed by the cult. And how long would those devotionals last? Like anywhere from one to two hours. A okay. Day. So y'all would do that every day. And so it sounds like you're you were also learning like mathematics and how to read and things like that. Yes. Yes. And uh, so, I it, it's kind of an unusual circumstance because I was uh, taught, I guess. These things um, from a very early age, like my parents believed in education, uh, which was abnormal for the cult. Hmm. So I was taught to read and write in two languages from the age of two. Hmm. I was taught early math. I was taught uh, geography. I was taught stuff from a very early age. But, okay. Yeah. And then what were things like as you grew a little bit older, like let's say 12, 13, 15, 17? Hmm. So, so, so actually, be before we go into the adolescent period, yeah. um, I would also, my parents would take me proselytizing. Hmm. Yeah, it's fine. It's I have no idea how to pronounce that. But I, I have this vivid memory of me going uh, like uh, up to people and converting them to the cult <laughs> how would you do that i was i was like six or seven years old and they basically used my cuteness uh -huh. my, because children are cute right they yeah. you give you're more likely to give a child a child a chance yeah sure than a, an adult yep right so they would use me as a tool sometimes to convert people and, and i had I, like I had a, like a, a little speech memorized that I would do and people would fall for it. It was, it was, do you remember what the speech was or like pieces of it? <laughs> oh, let me see. And you know, Sorin, you don't have to share anything that you don't feel comfortable with. It's just, I'm, I'm so curious about, you know, what, what do you teach a seven year old to say <laughs> to convert people okay. to your, so uh, the facade will, seemed very harmless, right? Uh, even to outsiders. I would basically pray with them and they would re I would recite a prayer and like, I would convince people to say a prayer with me. That was Got the idea. it. 
And I don't remember the exact words, but it was something like, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me for my sins, that kind of shit. Okay. And then, and wow, okay. So are and, there uh, other... That, that, and then maybe what my parents would take over and explain uh, stuff in a little, in stuff I, I couldn't comprehend yet. Okay. What country were you in, if you don't mind me asking? I think, so at the time of this anecdote, I think I was in Peru. Okay. All right. And, and so, you know, what, what happened is you kind of grew up and hit adolescence. What was that period of your life like? Okay. So let's see. I was very, very convinced that I wanted to spend the rest of my life in this cult. Okay. Um, we were taught that we were the chosen ones and there were all sorts of like wacky things going on. For example, a lot of the lore was based on, uh, Hmm. Okay. Are you familiar with the Bible? Yeah. There, there's a book at the end called Revelations. Yeah, very familiar with it. A lot of the stuff w came from uh, that chapter or that book yeah. in the Bible. Um, it was very, we were, our group was the chosen one and there was going to be a, la a period of seven years before the end of the world, as we know, uh, and the anti Antichrist uh, was going to take over from like uh, the Illuminati and what, whatever bullshit they were experiencing. And our group would have special powers to attack or defend against uh, who, like the Antichrist or whoever was on the top, right? And th there were like doomsday prophecies and that we were living like one of the phrases that was most commonly repeated was we are living in the times of the end. Mm. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The so things I've heard from. Sorry. And so I, I'm so sometimes that, you know, I'll ask people a little bit about growing up in their adolescence and things like that. And, and I'm kind of noticing that, I don't know. It's interesting. I, it seems like, Sometimes when I ask you questions about time, it's like hard for you to put together like sort of a timeline. And, yes. and, and I mean, is that I'm not trying to, you know, shame you or anything. It's just an interesting observation that I'm, I'm wondering if actually like your experience of growing up was not like marked by like landmarks of change. It seems yes. to like it feels to me like it all kind of blurs together. Yes. Right. And, and, and it's also the fact that I've been trying to forget most of these things for the last 10 years. Sure. Okay. Like after I, I left at the age of 18, I felt like I left at the age. And, and how, how did that happen? My parents, I love them deeply. They, my dad had this policy that after you're 18, you can do whatever, whatever the fuck you want. Right. Okay. So at close around the age of 17, I was already getting fed up with the bullshit. What is the I was, what bullshit is that? I was starting to be aware, uh, uh, gain awareness that I was being emotionally manipulated. And how were you being emotionally manipulated? <sighs> so some of the stuff, for example, I was uh, forced to do chores. Uh, based on the idea that 
this is this is gonna sound completely stupid and completely out of field, but it, it was it was a kind of God is watching you and taking notes, right? Mm -hmm. So if you fail to do your chores, he's gonna take that as a sign of rebellion or that maybe you 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 can't go into heaven or that kind of stuff, right? That you're supposed to honor your parents or honor your your mother and father that kind of stuff. And it was basically, yeah, it was coercion. And why do you think that that sounds stupid? Good question. I have no idea. Okay. So let me ask you. Oh, no, no, you no, no. Okay, wait, wait. I have, okay. I remember now. So it sounds a bit, it, it smells a bit like uh, entitlement, you know, like I, I could have, I suppose. No, so no. It, it, it's, it's like first world, uh, Cold life, <laughs> you okay. know, like worse things could have happened to me than being coerced to do my chores, right? Okay. Like I yeah. could have been coerced into child prostitution, so, for example, which did not happen to me, thank God. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting. I'm hearing some, you know, a couple of things here. So one is like, I wonder if you say it sounds stupid because I, I don't think it it doesn't sound stupid to me at all. It sounds like, you know, you were in a cult. So, of course, you're going to be like forced to do things that are emotionally like, you know, based on emotional manipulation. Yeah, but it sounds like a kind of an odd thing to complain about. Like, it's not such a big deal, right? You're forced to, forced to do chores. So what? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think like, that I feel like most people would say gain some perspective, kid. Yeah. So I, it gets me to my question is, do you feel stupid? Okay. And when you say most people would say gain some perspective, kid, like what? You know, that that sounds why do you think people would say that? Oh, because I look at myself from the outside and I try to try to see things objectively, I guess. Yeah. So has when you've shared this stuff with people on the outside, has anyone told you that I've you never shared it with anyone? Well, oh, not this specific detail. I haven't shared it. No. Okay. And because I, you know, I know it's, this is going to sound kind of weird, Sorian, but I think that your attempts to be objective are actually the most subjective thing that you do. Completely. You're, you're right. You know, and, and it's interesting because when you, when you talk, when you think about, like, I want to just like uh, notice and I. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's not objectivity. It's subjectivity from a second point of view. Yep. So I think that's the view with which you judge yourself. It's yes, you judging certainly. yourself on the outside. Because I don't think that like, at least, I mean, I could be wrong here and I'm not really paying attention to Twitch chat, but like, at least I'm, I'm sort of feeling very, very strongly that like, I don't fault you for anything that happened. But what I'm detecting from you is that like, maybe you beat yourself up a little bit for like falling for their emotional manipulation. And like, who are you to complain because, you know, other other people in the cult got child prostitution and you got out early and your parents taught you two languages. So, like, who are you to complain? Yeah, OK, so it sounds like I, I, I fault myself or somehow blame myself for uh, being part of the cult. Yeah. Or wasting my time, basically. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. What do you think? No. OK. Uh, and here's here's why. Here's my, my explanation. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> So after the cult, when I left, mm -hmm. I felt a, a grave sense of loss. Um, 
I felt like my most of my life or my entire life had been stolen from stolen from me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I felt very very bitter. I suppose you could say. And when did you start to feel like it had been stolen from you? Right after I left. Okay. Probably okay. Probably not the exact same day I left, but, but sure. in the next two years. And and so I mean, it sounds like you left at eighteen. So you were unhappy with like something about needing to do chores and being guilted. How did you make the decision to leave? I don't know. I suppose I just didn't like being coerced. And I told when I was on the on my eighteenth birthday, I went to my pastor, and I told them. I'm an atheist. <laughs> and I went to my parents and I told them, I'm an atheist. And they accepted it. So Really? Yes. What did they say? Well, my dad was like, you're 18, so do whatever the fuck you want. Did he use the word fuck there? Like, was he upset? Uh, probably not, probably not. No, he wasn't upset. How do you um, understand that? But, but here's the thing. I later discovered that my parents had actually left the cult when I was 15. They were just continuing with the culture, I guess, uh, of child rearing after they left. Like, they dumped all the books, all the cultish material aside when I was 15, three years earlier. But they continued to use the same manipulative techniques they had learned from the cult. Interesting. How do you understand? So I, I suppose that played a role in their accepting my leaving the cult. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's strange, right? When I think about, you know, life, I mean, like multi-generation cults, like in a kid comes out at 18 and says, I'm leaving. I, I imagine based on, you know, I don't really have any experience with cults, but. Yes, you know, but you've read like, the stories, right? Yeah, so I, I'd imagine that your parents would like, you know, freak out. I've certainly, you know, worked with people who have had like very religious upbringings and they sort of tell their parents, hey, like, you know, I'm not really into this. Yes. And then their parents will like flip out, will ostracize them, will like, you know, like, don't you understand what you're doing to us and to everyone around you? Like, it's such a bit like, you know, and I'm, it's kind of weird that your parents were sort of OK with it. I consider so, myself lucky in the extreme, yes. Yeah, so you consider yourself lucky, but like, what do you think about them tossing out the books but still continuing to do the emotional manipulation? Well, I mean, my parents are a little bit... I feel like they're simpletons. What does that mean? Like, their reason for leaving the cult was dumb. What was their reason for feeling leaving the cult? Um, I was... They received the sign from God. Do you believe it? <laughs> and what was their sign from God? The sign from God was my younger sister got sick to the point where she was. Uh, I'm not going to share some about that. Oh, sure. Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, and and why but do you think she got my sister? My younger sister got really, really fucking sick. And okay. the cult had this tradition like people inside the cult were taught that if anything negative happens to you, it happens for a reason, right? That God is punishing you in some way, mm -hmm. right? If you got a cold, God would be punishing you. You had to pray and seek his guidance, right? 
Um, and I think that is where my mom got the idea that she should leave the cult because my sister was so fucking sick. Hmm. Interesting. And you think that that's a stupid reason? Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about your parents? I love them. Um, I also think they're dumb. <laughs> sure. Are you angry with them? So I was angry with them in the first four years, and then I forgave them. What were you angry with them for? For having raised me in a cult. That's a damn good answer. <laughs> well said. <laughs> and and right. then how did you how did you find how did you find the ability to forgive them? I don't know. Uh, I, I I do remember what what's the, the mental process, the experience that led me to forgive them. So I think I had an experience where. I started to see evidence that my hate was ruining my life. Can you help us understand that? Okay, so I was extremely bitter and extremely angry about everything that ha happened inside the cult. Mm -hmm. And like, I felt like uh, 18 years of my life had been wasted. Uh, I had lost most of the opportunities to learn things. And... Uh, I felt like most of it had been coerced, like it, it was not my fault. Mm -hmm. And I remember going on a date with a chick. And she noticed that I was very hateful inside. And uh, I think, I think it, the, the sign of it was I attacked uh, an indigenous person that was selling, trying to sell candy to me on the street. Mm -hmm. And I attacked them and I told them uh, to go kill themselves. Hmm. Right. And my date was like, no, you can't do that. This is, stop. We're, 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 we're done. The date is over. Right. And then I went back to my place. And I spent the entire night in reflection. And then I came to realize my conclusion was, my hate is ruining my life, right? So I did a 180. And first things I did, forgive my parents. I told my parents I forgive, forgave them. And then I tried, I started, uh, I started trying altruism or helping people with no strings attached, provided they didn't ask for my help. Okay. And what was your experience of that? Of altruism? Mm -hmm. um, it became a, a pretty strong held belief until like a few days ago. <laughs> what happened a few days ago? <laughs> okay. Someone. Hmm. So this, this ego construal. This ego what? Construal. What does that mean? Um... So a construal is a symbol, right? Okay. Like a phrase. Okay. And uh, it represents your ego. Okay. And you talk about this all the time, right? Ego, uh, when ego conflicts with emotions, ego wins. And when emotions conflict with logic, emotions win, right? Oh, okay, sure. 
And altru this altruism thing of helping people with no strings attached was my ego. Makes and it was, it was ruining my life. How so? I, I was giving until I had nothing to give. And a few weeks ago, I started to hit like rock bottom, rock bottom, because I started sleeping on the floor because I just I, I couldn't help myself, but just help people, I guess. So what does that have to do with sleeping on the floor? Well, sleeping on the floor is uncomfortable, I guess. Right. I, but, I have I have no I don't have enough money to buy myself a mattress. OK. And then but. I sort of settle into it. I start to feel comfortable or what's, what's not comfortable content. I have, I've learned contentment, shall, shall we say. Do you f find that you're more content? Like the more you kind of deprive yourself of stuff, like, does it feel like perversely good to like help people to the point where you don't have enough money to buy a mattress? Yes. Uh, or not enough money to pay the bills or stuff like that. And then a friend uh, recently uh, argued me out of that value or that ego control. Then like he made a large, he presented a logical argument that my ego control was unethical. That by helping people. Um, until I have nothing to give, I'm actually helping bad people gain power because I'm losing power by helping others. Interesting. So, so not the person that you're helping, but some other, the more, the less power you have. Like the if I, yes, if I start to help to a point where I'm losing power, then I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not making as much of, as a, of an impact as I possibly could. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. And he argued it was unethical. And so, I mean, you're sort of saying that a logical argument kind of brought you out of this. So what's going on with your ego? <laughs> yeah, so I have a... Uh, that, that's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> I have an ego that says I must have a logical explanation for everything I do. Okay. So this is how logic trumps emotion. Okay. In my case, because sure. my, my it's my ego. How do you feel about being so altruistic? That feels good, I guess. But no, it's that that's irrelevant. Um, how do I feel about being so altruistic? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Zorian, do you feel stupid yes. for being so altruistic? <laughs> hmm, yes. Yes, I, I beat myself up for it. Yep. We noticing a theme here? I beat myself up for things? Yes, definitely. Yeah, All the time. Yeah, absolutely, right? And I know where it comes from. I can, I can tell you. I know you. I know you do, so tell me. So, I am afraid of opportunity cost. Okay. Opportunity cost drives terror into me. <laughs> yep. I think it's that insecure. makes a lot. Of, yeah. And 
Can you see where that comes from? Sure. What's your guess? Why don't, um, do you, do, you're sure you want me to answer first? <laughs> okay, okay. I was making. I was making I, I'm, a I'm, happy, sure. I, I'm happy to, but but I I think that we'll learn more from you than we will from me. Okay, fair enough. You're you're absolutely right. This is uh, an education session. So, uh, uh, hold on. Pause for a second, Zorian. Let's think okay, about right. what's happening right now. I'm happy to give you an answer. It makes a lot of sense to me that you're terrified of opportunity cost. Um, and and I'm happy to share what I think about that. But I, I just want to make sure that it, it felt like you've never you never asked me before. Like we've been talking about a lot of stuff. This is the first time that you're like asking me about something. So I, I almost feel like it's a test of sorts. And I'm happy to take the test and pass or fail. No, no, it's, it's, not, it's not a test. It's not a test. I have a, ha a habit of asking people to make an educated guess about things because I'm a teacher. Okay. Do you want to teach me? I can guess. No. Okay. Not. Okay. <laughs> my fear of opportunity cost comes from my parents moving around a lot when I was a kid. How so? When I was very, very young, let's say nine to 10 years old, I would go out into the neighborhood and make friends with uh, kids. And I would, go, I would grow kind of attached to the neighborhood. And then my parents would move and that was unpleasant. It, was, it meant losing my friends forever, right? That was like irreversible and bad. Mm -hmm. So I, because this happened so often, I started to pay attention to any signs that we might be moving. Okay. And my parents could be uh, planning a move. Okay. And when that happened, I felt afraid. Okay. Yeah. So what I would say, um, Zorian, can I share my answer? Sure. So I think it's similar, but I, I think that when you say you're terrified of opportunity cost, I, I think it's more of like what I w w sort of detect from that is like a sense of grief and loss, really, not really grief, but more loss that you've had, yes. you've, you've had so much taken away from you that like everything that you do, like it, it's almost like you've had so much taken away from you that like you don't really... Like you, like every decision that you make now, like has to be weighed very, very heavily because it's yes. sort of like you, you've already used up all of your freebies. And so mm -hmm. like, you know, you're on the verge of getting knocked out of the tournament, like every single time, like every decision you make is like the last decision that you get to make. And if you yes, screw I'm, up, I'm, a, I'm terrified of irreversible mistakes. Yep. Right. And, and so, so, so I want to just point something out, Zorian. So I, I think that, do you, do you have a sense of how you're feeling right now? No. Okay. So, uh, um, some, some people might call this alexithymia. When I was, uh, when, I, I remember when I was like around 17, 18, 19, I felt like I was a robot. I felt like I had no feelings. It was weird. Um, but then over time, as I reflected a lot, 
I came to realize that I do have emotions. They're just kind of identifying them becomes it's, it's a little bit retarded. Take time. Okay. So how how do you feel about that? Don't ask me. I. <laughs> so, okay. So how do I feel about? So hold on. So we just got something there, right? You say, don't ask me, right? Okay. So when I ask you, how does that make you feel? I don't have information. Yep. So when someone get your teacher, right? So when someone asks a question and, and someone doesn't have an answer, how does that person feel? Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that again? Sure. So you're a teacher, right? Yes. So when someone asks a question and someone else doesn't have an answer, how does the person without the answer feel? So when a student asks me a question. Nope. Sure. Just in general, when, when I ask, when there's a, someone who asks a question and someone doesn't have an answer, how does the person without the answer feel? Who's the person without an answer? The person who asked? Or the person no. who doesn't have, a, have the answer Can't, to respond? Have, doesn't have the answer to respond. I don't know. So I would say that when people ask me questions, especially when I'm like, you know, in school and I didn't have an answer, I felt stupid. Oh, okay. What do you think? If I don't have an answer, no, I don't feel stupid for being ignorant. Okay. So I think this is what's kind of confusing. So here's here's what I'm sort of getting from you. Can I share some thoughts? What? Sure. You're laughing. <laughs> what? What is that? I don't know. So if you look at necessary conditions for laughter, and expected comes to mind. Uh huh. And it needs to be. Oh, I don't know. So it needs to be something unexpected that is seen as not not harmful. Yeah. Okay. So Zorian, we're going to take a step back because I think there's a lot of stuff going on in this conversation that I think can be hard to follow. So we're going to try to I'm going to try to share with you what I understand. Okay. okay. Could be completely wrong here. Um, so there there's some weird there's some weirdness, and I, I get the sense that you're smiling, but you actually are feeling deeply deeply uncomfortable. What do you think? I don't feel anxiety. I'm not. Yeah. So I, I, I like when I look at your eyes, I don't think you're having a good time. Like when I look at your face, I see you smiling, but I see a lot of tension. But I, I really don't think that this is normally when we see someone smiling like this, we think like, oh, is this person having fun? I don't think you're having fun. Are you having fun? Okay, so it's a feeling of euphoria. Do you feel euphoria right now? Teeny, tiny, teeny. A little bit. Okay, so when we have a big smile and we feel a tiny bit of euphoria, I think there are other emotions in there. And part of what makes this really... Yeah. So so I'm just going to toss a couple of things out. The first, Zorian, is that... Because I, I think it's like really... Uh, how can I, I... I was about to say strange, but I think there's a lot going on in this conversation that is not being talked about. So it's sort of yeah. like there's like a stage, but then there's like this whole audience on the outside that we're not really addressing. And I think that's part of what 
is is a little bit unusual about this conversation because I think you have a lot of stuff going on on the inside, which you have done such an amazing job of keeping at the borders of like your consciousness. So I know it sounds weird. So first thing that I want to do, Zorian, is like really commend you um, because I, I think that you've really shown to me. So like I know that, you know, there are all kinds of psychological impacts from cults and stuff like that. But I think it's really hard to grow up in a cult and like have, you know, the fortitude to leave when you're 18 to notice some of the impacts that it's had on you to really because like like it's because if we really think about it, like, you know, you kind of got screwed. And you have to be a little bit careful about your self-judgment in terms of like, you know, if you look at like the average person, they were given so many opportunities. Like, you know, people read them bedtime stories, like their parents read them bedtime stories, like their parents would go on trips and you got to like, there was just really basic stuff, right? Like most people get the opportunity to make friends and keep friends and really, really like basic human stuff that was really taken away from you at a young age. And, and so I'm sure that there's a part of you. So I think there's this like thread of like stupidity and, and judgmentalness, which you have towards yourself, which you try to push away through logic. But the interesting thing is that when you talk about the construction between like logic overcoming emotion, that still means that the emotion is there. Your yeah, logic sure. may win, but like really, I think moving forward is like, sure, like logic needs to win. Like, let's say it's 51%, 49%. But then you're still like, even if you can overcome that feeling of stupidity, what I think really like what I, what I, what I see is like the next step of your growth is not letting logic win, but not having logic need to win. Right. It's really truly letting go of some of these things like ego and emotions and stuff like that. And you're even doing it now. Right. So there's been a change a little bit in, in the way that you're kind of looking. There's a change in the way like you seem more relaxed. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I just noticed you had like a big sigh, which I think is good. Yes. So I think you've managed to. It's interesting because I think you've like been forced to come up with your own methods of survival and recovery of trying yes. to build a life out of the shambles that you were given. And yes. I think that everything I have, I invented on my own. That's Absolutely. Right. And I think it's it's truly amazing that you've come as far as you have. And at the same time, I think that, you know, a little help will go a long way. And and sure. that there are some things that I think it's worth sort of reconceptualize or, or like rethinking. And I think I feel really good about this because I think you you've demonstrated so clearly that if you're given building blocks, you can really build something. So really what I want to do is not really give you answers, but give you kind of building blocks, let you play around with them and let you see if things are going better. Okay. That's all nice. Um, so the first thing is that I, I think we're seeing a lot of what calls in a, what, what I would call inappropriate affect or discongruent affect. So the display of emotion that you have is kind of like not doesn't jive with like what we're actually talking about. Really? Right. So Interesting. yeah. Right. Cause you're like smiling a whole lot, but like, we're not talking about anything funny, Zorgan. Nothing it's about funny this is, to me. It's funny to me. Yeah. So let's think about that. Right. So so and, and this is what sometimes I think is going to make it hard for you to connect with other people. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Right. So like what's funny about what we're talking about? Like it's I, unexpected. What's unexpected? Because you seem like you're at the verge of tears to me. No. Okay. Okay. So. 
I feel like my unconscious brain comes up with predictions that are different from most people's predictions. Yep. And that, that may be from having a distorted worldview from growing up in a cult or building my own worldview after leaving. Okay. I guess. So, I mean, there are unexpected things happen all the time. It doesn't make them funny. No, no, yeah. What, what, what makes something funny is when the unexpected is harmless. Okay. So here's an alternate hypothesis for you. Okay. So okay. sometimes we use humor as a defense mechanism. Okay. Okay. So, so th this humor might be a defense mechanism. Yeah. So I, I think it is. And I, I think it's, it, it actually is like, it can make it strange for people to like observe this conversation because like, there's a lot of inappropriate affect, right? <laughs> and it's so easy to bring out. Like, I mean, if, if I didn't know better, I thought I'd think that you were like listening to a comedian on stage with like how much you're laughing. And then the more that we point it out, the funnier it becomes. So as we call attention to things and we bring awareness to things, it becomes funnier and funnier and funnier. And generally speaking, we're bringing emotion out of you, but it's weird because you've got such a fat defense mechanism that we just get laughter. Okay. <laughs> right you can see it like it's just bubbling up like you can't even control it it's like what are, i'm just saying azorian you're laughing right now and you're like <laughs> that's so funny that's so it's not funny bro okay and and uh so right now um tears are welling up in my eyes yeah so you, you does that have any meaning well i mean what kind of tears are they they're not they're not tears of joy yeah, I feel like. Yeah, right? so I, 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 it might be suppressed emotion. It might be uh, some kind of defense, like in, in order to Zori, avoid Zori. falling into a crisis where I just yeah. Yeah, so I, I it's okay, bro. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like what you're doing is okay, or is there some part of you that you're overcoming that is telling you like this is dumb and you should know how to do this? No, so if, if you're saying I may have self-esteem issues, that's a no. No, nope, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is right now in this moment, is there a part of you that feels stupid and another part of you that's telling yourself that you don't need to feel stupid? It's completely understandable. No, there's okay. no such dialogue inside my head. Okay. So the, the first but, thing... But, but, but when you said, it's okay, bro, I almost felt like I could cry. Yep. That's why I said it. Right. So I, I think this is where, like, how do you understand that? Why I kind of get emotional when you say this is, you, you give a sign that this is a safe place and it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't understand really. I don't understand the relationship between those two things. Sure. I'm just going to cry a little bit on my own if that's okay with you. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so what, what does it mean to you when I say it's okay? It's okay to show the repressed emotions that are... Wrong. 
No, I don't. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't watch. I don't want to make you feel stupid. Yeah, no, it's it's good, right? So I, I think you're very good at educated guesses because they're logical. And I hate saying wrong because that could make you feel stupid. But but I, I no, think no, no, I, I love being told I'm wrong. I love it. It's it's okay. So, it's fine. Okay, so, Zorian. So so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to accept you. Okay. Okay, I get you. How does it feel to be accepted? I don't need it. There it is. Right? Why don't you need it? I haven't thought about that. Because you have an answer for me real quick there. No laughter. You don't need it. Yeah. And that's the sad, that's the saddest damn thing. Really? Yes, absolutely. Because you, you're someone who's grown up without acceptance. And so you've learned to live and function. My, my parents loved me unconditionally. Is that not acceptable? So that's a logical answer, right? Like yes. you're saying like, if parents love you unconditionally, isn't that acceptance? So let me toss something else out at you. And I'm sure you'll swap this aside. But like when your parents leave a cult at the age of 15 and fucking leave you in it, they don't tell you and they continue emotionally manipulating you. Like you worked up the courage to leave the cult at 18 and they had done it three years ago and they left you behind. So? What do you think about that? I hadn't thought about it that way. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Uh... Not consciously. Yeah, no, no. Feels a little bit depressing. What does that mean? I don't know. So it's going to take time. Okay. So here, here's what I'm thinking, Zorian. So the first thing is I think you're doing phenomenally well. Um, I think that it's truly amazing how you've learned to become independent and survive on your own. But I think it's like really challenging, right? Because you don't need anyone's acceptance, but boy, do you want it? Because everyone wants it, right? You learn to live without a basic human need. And when I start to demonstrate something to you unconditionally, when I don't qualify anything that your, your intellect can get around, when I just say, it's okay, bro. Yes. What is okay? I'm not telling you. Why is it okay? I'm not telling you. What are we even talking about? I'm not telling you. There's yes. nothing for your intellect to latch onto with that statement, which is why it sort of sinks deep. Yes, you're right. Right. And even the you're right stuff, like you got to be careful because that's your intellect being like, oh, that is correct. Now we understand the equation. You're like stepping out of the emotion. And then when I catch you in the act, your other defense mechanism steps in and it's like. <laughs> so right? do, do you think my intellect is also a defense mechanism? Absolutely. Amazing. Right. And it, it's it's it is for everyone. And because here's the thing, like Zorian, you've got so much stuff to protect against on the inside, because let's remember, I don't know if you knew this, but you were raised in a cult that was incredibly emotionally manipulative and probably quite traumatic. So there's going to be a lot down there. And it's not like it, it, it's a testament to your intellect that your intellect has grown so much. Your ego has grown so much, but also makes like, let's face it, bro, really stupid decisions. Like you're sleeping on your floor because you go out of your way to help people. And I don't doubt that there's a, a certain kind of logic to that. And and I, hopefully you don't feel bad. I'm, I'm really careful about the word stupid, but I'm trying to actually 
really walk a tightrope okay. here. So if you call me stupid, I suspect, I highly suspect, I will not feel bad. I think so. I think so as well in this situation because of the way in which I'm... In any situation. Okay, sure. If you say so. Uh, 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 yeah, so just because you don't feel bad doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Okay. Right? So if you're, especially if you're lexithymic. Um but this is where I think you've like, you've like, like, it's, it's fascinating because I, what I see is like, you, you know, I imagine someone who's shipwrecked on an island and has to like build everything for themselves. Yes. And that's what I see you as. I see you as like some guy who through like ingenuity, grit, and a lot of hard work has constructed a water wheel and a rain catching thing and constructed like fish traps and like all these other things to like help you survive. Yeah, and at the same like time, Dr. Stone all over again. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the reference, but anyway, so, so, so this is where, like, I also think that there's a lot of work that you still have ahead of you. And some of it is going to be tough because what's happening is that you have like adaptations on adaptations on adaptations, which are fine. Like they're good. They're, they've helped you and things like that. But at the same time, I think that, for example, like you're still very angry at your parents, like you've forgiven them. But yeah. I think that like, like you're still incredibly angry with them which can be hard when they love you so much, which can be hard when you've forgiven them, which can be hard. But like, I think it's, it's tough, man. And not, I haven't noticed those emotions. Yeah, I, I think it's understandable. So then the other thing is that you may not be angry at your parents. You may just be fucking pissed at the world. And now we have to, we get into really tricky territory because I think you've got to learn how to feel emotions that don't do anything for you. Because a lot of times when I see people who are hyper intellectual, what happens is they're like, there's no use to feeling that emotion. I can't do anything about it. And if they can't do anything about it, they sort of discard it. They're like, there's no point. They bury it. The thing is, the emotion doesn't really like go away. It just sort of like, you know, gets saved on some remote corner of your hard drive where it just like kind of lingers. And we're seeing a lot of things that, you know, sometimes you have these like drastic emotional reactions that you sort of recognize that you have hate within you. Once again, really, really awesome, you know, thing that you figured out. It's amazing. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed, Zorian, with how far you've come on your own. And at the same time, I, I still think that there's like a lot of stuff like going, you know, uh, uh, underneath. Like, I mean, you kind of say that your parents are simpletons, which sort of makes sense. But also like they came out of the cult, were raised in the cult and emphasized education for you. I think they had second thoughts about the cult a long time, you know, like they in the way that you were raised. They yeah, were maybe already, they were looking for an excuse to leave. I mean, I think and they realized they that, a long time. I, I think they realized that they didn't want to like raise you in the way that they were raised. But uh, anyway, it gets complicated. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So they and, were both orphans. Yeah, so so I, I'm not quite sure, you know, what's going on there, but, um, you you know, there's just there's just a lot of stuff like going on here, Zorian. Like it's 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 hard to describe, but some of the inappropriate affect, some of the hyper intellectualization, and and I think that you're not. I, I hope I'm not making you feel kind of like naked or anything like that. But but I, I think that, you know, you really do have because it's it's kind of weird. Like, I think whatever logical system you're using to that winds you sleeping up on the floor out of altruism may make sense. But it feels to me like there's a blind spot somewhere in there. And I think basically the blind spot is 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 like some amount of these like emotions, which 
I don't doubt that you've genuinely forgiven your parents, but like, I also think there's just like a roiling mass of emotion, like somewhere in there. Okay. And, and just, so, yeah. Hmm. So don't you think if after four years of being extremely angry and venting at the world and, uh, like all the negative emotions come out and eventually dissipate? Yes and no. So this is where, you know, the we haven't even gotten to what the psychological impact is and, and potentially what you are dealing with now. But so I think that like I kind of think about them as like little spawning machines that will generate thoughts. So there's like a portal that like, you know, thoughts are coming out of and you can vent the individual thought, but the portal can still be down there. And and I think that you've done some of the process of digesting that, but just the the degree of your inappropriate affect suggests to me that there's some kind of negative emotion that is under there. Hmm. I see what I see what you mean. Right. Yeah. I so, get it. I get it. So, and 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 it's just like because it you know sure you can logically say that things are unexpected and that's why they're funny, but like you know all kinds of unexpected stuff happens that isn't harmful, but we don't. I mean, maybe the other option, other thing on the differential diagnosis here is that maybe you're enlightened because <laughs> sometimes enlightened people will laugh at all manner of things. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's a genuine laugh, right? Like, that's actually funny. I can see it in your eyes okay. this time. Um, what, what do you think about all this? Hmm. Oh, I just realized. So the other thing is that, have you forgiven yourself? I'm very bad at forgiving myself. Yeah, so this is, uh, maybe this is the piece that I was missing. Is that like, we talked about forgiving your parents and you may not have anger towards themselves, but if we look at this sort of like, you know, your inability to forgive yourself and like how frankly, how stupid you feel. Like I know that you don't consciously own that you feel stupid, but we can definitely detect a theme of self-blame. Yes, so when I make a mistake, uh, I feel self-loathing. Right, so, but uh, how, how do you understand that? So it's a certain kind of mistake. It's a, a reversible mistake, something that co costs me an opportunity. And, um, hmm, okay, so I tend to go into... I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I tend to go into swearing fits to suppress blaming, uh, feeling bad about things that like mistakes I've done. So, okay. There's, I don't know if it was the an answer to my question, but boy, do I like it more than anything else that you could have said. <laughs> okay. So, so I think there's a lot there, right? So you say you go into swearing fits. What are you swearing at? Myself. Okay. So like, like this is where like, uh, and this is, no, this is going to sound weird, but like the way that you feel about yourself, when did you start to feel that way about yourself? The way I feel about myself. What's the way I feel about myself? Let me just jump to it. So, you know, I think you left the cult, but the cult didn't leave you. Right. What I'm hearing here is mm. that like, like the way that when they talk to you about your 
doing your chores and things like that. And like God is watching and like, you know, it's not okay. And like, you're not worthy. And, or maybe you guys were yes. chosen ones. And, and it's, it's sort of like, I'm, I, I could, I could connect those two dots. That once again is a hypothesis for you. That like, you know, the self-loathing, because when I think about when you talk about emotional manipulation and guilting and stuff like that, like, I think you've carried it with you. Yes. So. So I'm going to just keep going. Some of the cult stuff is so fucking painful that I've avoided talking about it for 10 years. Okay. I just, I just try to forget and I push it into the corner of my mind that. I, 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 like, I put it under lock and key and I do not talk about it. How do you, how do you feel about yourself for doing that? I, I have no ability to answer that question. Do you feel right weak? Asking that question to a person with Alexa time is a little bit. It's okay. I, I have no ability to identify if I feel weak. Do you feel stupid? When you say, does it feel stupid? Uh, is it an okay answer to say it rings a bell? Sure. <laughs> Zorian, any yes. answer is an okay answer. So here's what I would say. You set it aside because it's so painful. I completely understand. I mean, I don't completely, I really don't understand it all, to be honest. <laughs> but here's what I would say. It's okay, bro. Whatsoever you do with it, it's okay. Everything that you've accomplished is fantastic. And the fact that you haven't accomplished things is also fine. You've missed out on opportunities. You've made irreversible mistakes. It's okay, bro. You're allowed to make mistakes. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not allowed to make mistakes. Why not? There's the smile again. Even if you don't allow yourself to make mistakes, I'll allow you to make mistakes. Okay, so mistakes cost time. That's how I see it. Sure. And I don't have enough time. Some of my time has been stolen, I suppose. So yes. the remainder of the time that's left is more valuable when you put it into that perspective. You can put it into that perspective all you want to. It's not one that I'm going to adopt. Okay. But, but Irrespective of how logically correct it is. Right? And this is where, like, like Zorian, what you've really got to learn how to do, and it's going to be really hard because it goes against everything. Because you're trying to make up for lost time. You're trying to fix the past. If you can maximize the time that you have left, at the end of the day, the scales will be even. But here's the crazy thing. Like, you can't ever make up for what's happened in the past. Yes, I can't, like, compensate. No, it's the same fucking thing. It's a synonym. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> right? So that's, that's what you need to let go of. And it's hard to admit that, like, you got screwed, bro. And that, that maybe you blame yourself for it. Maybe you blame your parents for it. Maybe you blame the universe. Maybe you blame God, whatever. Because God's off the table because you're an atheist and you've learned to forgive your parents. So who's left? Where does the responsibility lie? 
And now we see where the self-loathing comes from. Right? Because it's kind of strange. Like, this is a really interesting, like, issue that kids have is before kids develop theory of mind, which is the sort of understanding that other human beings exist. They feel like they are in a single player game. Yep. And so like all of that fault is yours. And what I'm seeing from you time and time and time again is like harsh, harsh lack of acceptance towards yourself. I mean, we, we knew that before you told us that you swear to keep feelings at bay. Okay. Right. And so like, then you tell us like an hour into the conversation that I swear at myself and I beat myself up and it's like, yeah, okay. Well, I think we saw that coming. And, and so this is where it's, it's going to be really challenging Zorian, because I think, and, and this is where, you know, I'm going to toss something out. Like, I think you've got to let those feelings out. And, and this is the really challenging, even harder than that. I think you can let the feelings out. Problem is that I don't think you can do it with someone. I don't know if you can tolerate showing the ugliest and worst parts of yourself to another human being. And the hardest part about that, because I just did it just a tiny bit, is like them accepting you for being all that loathing that you feel towards yourself Uncovering it is the first hardest thing. Uncovering it with someone else is the second hardest thing. And then even then, you've got an easy out. Go ahead. Right. I I do not feel accepted. Yeah. I feel like I need to be accepted, but I'm too afraid to show the part of myself. And because there is a fear of rejection. Nope. It's not a fear of rejection. What is it then? It's a fear of acceptance. Am I afraid? Really? I think so. How? Because if they reject you, is that new? No, it's not. Can you survive that rejection? Yes. Absolutely, because you fucking do it to yourself every single day. Okay, okay, okay. What you fear is acceptance. What you're terrified of, what gets you going, is not me telling you that you're stupid. As you've told us, when you say you're stupid, when I, I call you stupid, you're like, doesn't touch me. It's when I say it's okay, bro, that you're like, fuck. You're right. Okay, again, you're right. (laughs) Abuse? Zorian, you grew up in a cult. Your abuse resistance is 100%. Oh, I see. It's unconditional love. It's acceptance. It's admitting that you don't need to change, that it's okay to let go of your opportunities, that you don't need to be perfect. Yes, all of those things that you're saying right now, those make me feel like I want to cry. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I feel good about it. I'm happy for you, Zorian, because it's like it's a painful journey, but it's a good one. And it's worth the opportunity cost. I don't, I don't. I feel like it's not even a worthwhile question to ask. How do I get? Uh, how do I overcome this barrier? Good, great question. Why isn't that a worthwhile question? Sounds stupid. There it is. You see it. 
always lurking. Every step forward that you try to take, the question that you need to ask, the important question, there's your mind. It's stupid. Don't do it, Zorian. It's a dumb question. So how do you move forward? It's the most important question to ask. So, and, and then, then we get into a really tricky thing because if I say it's the most important question to ask, maybe then you feel stupid for like hesitating to ask it. So it can so go- it, it's, a, it's a dumb question because it should have a, it, I suspect the answer is pretty obvious. Right. And there, there it is again. Okay. So now like, hopefully like Twitch chat is following at this point, maybe you're following because like, do you see how no matter how we cut this problem, the conclusion is like, it's a dumb question to ask because it's obvious. And if it's obvious, then you are uh, an idiot. <laughs> there it is. Like, like it's, it's a thing like your, your logic is falling underneath this like emotional or like some Scott or like the, like you, you see, like, it doesn't matter how you cut this pie. Like the conclusion is always going to be like Zorian's an idiot. Right. And, and if I say that to you, it doesn't bother you at all because you tell yourself all the time. Like, what difference does it make if like another person tells you you're an idiot because you tell yourself all the time? No big deal. Yes, I'm a big so, idiot. <laughs> I don't think you're a big idiot. Matter if it's true. Huh? Does it matter what you think if it's true? That's what does it matter what you think if I know it's true? Maybe exactly. Right. So, so okay. there it is again, like you're discounting what I say. You're like swatting it away. Like, cause where, where, so what's the conclusion from that statement? When I say, I don't think you're an idiot. You're like, Psh, that's not true. He doesn't know true. what he's talking about. And the conclusion is that you are an idiot. There it is. We can play this game as many rounds as you want to go. We're always going to end up in the same damn place, which in turn can make you feel even stupider. So it's like, it's just not productive. Like, well, there's a certain amount of pr productivity there. Well, so what, what do you do about it? That's a good question. Okay. Okay. So it's like, even if I call you smart, you think you're stupid. And even if I call you stupid, you think you're, st it's like, you just can't win. And that doesn't make you stupid. It's just, that's the, that's the emotional thing that you've worked so hard to bury that it's like there and it's like clogging up your heart. You have like this hidden folder on your hard drive that's clogging it up, but like you, it's hidden so you don't see it, but it's action yes. is always going to be there. So the first yeah. thing you've got to do is awareness. So I think Zorian, this is something that you're gifted at. The more that you're able to notice this pattern in your mind, the more it starts to dissolve. Yes. That awareness will start the process of emotional digestion. Second thing is that you say you haven't talked to anyone, you haven't told anyone. So like, that's a good place to start. Right. So this is where, you know, I'd highly recommend. So sometimes I talk about our coaching program, but this is definitely a case where I would recommend you see a real therapist. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like, like go in and I, it sounds like your financial situation isn't maybe the best right now. So I don't know exactly what resources are available to you, but I, I think that, you know, this is definitely something where I would go and, and talk to someone. Right. Because I, I think that you were conditioned to loathe yourself. That's what cults do. Yes, you're right. And so it's interesting, but to learn how to love yourself is like difficult. Like conditioning, it doesn't matter. Like all conditioning is conditioning. We can condition you to loathe yourself. We can condition you to love yourself. And sometimes like what you need from people, like, cause people are going to show you, right? Like I'm going to make these weird statements, which aren't logical. Like, 
it's okay, bro. Like, good job, Zorian. And you're like, good job at what? And I'm like, everything, anything, I don't know, all of it. Like, it's those things, like, like someone's going to have to show you. And sometimes people are lucky enough to find this in a romantic relationship, although I wouldn't recommend it. You know, it's like a roll the dice kind of thing. Yeah. That, you know, like you need to be sh like taught how to accept yourself. And it's going to be these little moments where like you're learning your brain, your neurons are rewiring right now. As these emotions come up, as you start crying and, and things like that, like there's rewiring going on in your brain as we speak. So you yep. just need to continue doing that rewiring. And then like one day you're going to wake up and like you're going to, when you make a mistake, like there's going to be like another dialogue that pops in, up in your head, which is like, man, that was kind of stupid, but it's okay. I'm never going to argue with you about whether it's stupid or not stupid. That's an argument that I can never win. So the, the current way I avoid or get over beating myself up is whenever I catch that feeling, whenever I start to insult myself, I replace it with, I, what, I, like, I write down what I learned from that experience. Nope. Incorrect. Okay. You don't want to replace it. That's the very opposite of acceptance. You see that? If we're replacing it, you're not accepting it. It's subtle, okay. really tricky. So when it happens... But I never know, load myself again after I do that. So why does it happen? No, no. no. So, so this is when you loathe yourself, you should yes. accept yourself for loathing yourself. Okay. Right? Don't just get stuck at the loathing layer. Notice that, hey, this is me like beating myself up again. And like, it's something that I'm going to work on, but it's okay. It's okay for me to feel this way. Okay. Oh. Be because when you loathe, yeah. let me just finish this point. When yes. you loathe yourself, it's the opposite of acceptance. Yes. Right? So like, if even if we, it's subtle, really subtle. If we replace the loathing, what we're doing is still not accepting ourselves. So just unconditionally like accept whatever you are, right? I'm not saying that you aren't stupid. What I'm saying is that it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. So what's the point of this? Why should I accept this? What are the benefits? Let me think about that question for a second. Like, is this the path to enlightenment? This question feels like a trap to me. <laughs> no, it's not. But come on. Oh, I think it may be. Hold on. Let me okay, think. okay. I'm trying to decide if I'm reading too much into this. When you say, what's the point of this? Yes. Okay, I'm going to just answer. So I think the point is because, like, I don't think you have to live this way anymore. I don't want you to live this way anymore. I think it's it's incredibly sad and devastating that you've been living this way this long. Hmm. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. You okay, Dr. K? I could use a little bit of reassurance. <laughs> hmm. It's okay. Let me, yeah. What? I'm thinking about that. Zorin, I kind of feel like we are at, I want you to really like sort of sit with how far we've gotten. 
I'm a little bit concerned because that that other the next the last question you asked, I think, is like opening up a new thing, too. So uh, I'm sort of feeling like this is a good place to stop, at least from my exploration. Now, if you have okay. questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. But like, I think how far we've come is actually like a like I want you to sort of not go any farther than this, because I think this is the thing. Okay. Does that make sense? No. Okay. So like, I think that there are further conversations that need to be had, but this piece you need to work on first. I see. Okay. And I don't think any amount of other intellectual understanding is going to like really improve anything. Okay. Does this... Would you say a good step in the right? Would you say it, it's a step in the right direction if I get rid of my um, intellectual ego? Sort of, because I think once again, getting rid of replacing is not what we want to do. So your intellectual ego will subside when it no longer needs to be there. So it's okay. not about getting rid of the intellectual ego. It's about no longer needing it to protect you. Right. So, so right now your intellectual ego is like the tool that you fashioned that allows you to like start to put your life back together. So I'd say, don't get rid of it. It's there for a reason. Okay. But that ego comes at the cost of like burying all this stuff in this weird self-loathing that you have left over. And you can work intellectually with your ego as long as you want to. I suspect, I mean, maybe you can overcome it. I guess technically you can, but I'd say that there are easier, not easier, faster ways that okay. may be a little bit, it's going to be uncomfortable for you because like you have, you fashioned such a brilliant and capable intellectual ego that letting it go and, and like entering a territory where it can't do its job, it can be very scary. But I think ultimately that's what you need is like emotional healing. Okay. Any other questions? Is getting rid of my fear of irreversibility a path to accepting myself? <laughs> same, same problem. Getting rid, replacing, right? Wait, wait, is replacing a better word? Nope. They're all the same word. They're all synonyms, okay. right? So, so like, like the thing is like, I, I don't think you need to get rid of your fear. This is the whole problem is that like, you're always rejecting parts of yourself. Well, yeah, because I need to improve. <laughs> no, you don't. That's what needs to change. It's okay, bro. That, that is deeply unsettling. Yep. It feels wrong. Yep. Should I, should I navigate to a place where it feels right? Nope. To accept who I am right now and just not want to prove any more? Yep. Is that the destination I'm going? You're, there's no destination. You're already there. What do you mean? You're you're great just the way that you are. You don't need to do a damn thing, Zorian. Okay, so you're saying there is not a tool I can fashion to that just will help me accept Zorian, myself. Zorian, just sit with your fucking emotions. 
Close your eyes. Yeah. You feel deeply unsettled. Don't go anywhere. Just sit with that feeling of being unsettled. You don't. It's gone already, but yeah. Okay. So it's so like what all you need to do is just sit with it. You don't need to okay. do. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to change it. You're great. Are you, are you sure way. that's not a good idea to like make it surface and then sit with it? Sure. You can make it surface and sit with it, but okay. we sort of did that just now. And I think there's a certain amount of tolerance you have, which you'll build up over time. So this is why, like, I think you should see a therapist, right? Because the therapy is, huh? Maybe my friends will help me. Yeah. So I think this is where like, they can teach you how to learn how to sit with yourself, but that's all you need to do. You can't fix that, which isn't broken. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I think what's broken is that this is very meta. What, what's broken is I don't recognize that I don't need to be fixed. Uh, there's just, there's yep. something that's preventing me from re realizing that. Yeah, that's that's also that's going to go like ad infinitum because that in and of itself is what's like you're just I'm I'm starting with the presumption. Now we're getting intellectual that you're not broken and you're like, what's broken is that I can't recognize I'm broken. And there we are again. Like you can play this game like you can run circles around me, Zorian. It feels true. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So like, look who isn't alexithymic anymore. It feels true. Absolutely, because it's a feeling. You start with the, the conclusion, the emotional conclusion, that you are busted in some fundamental way. And so as long as that is there, like no matter how much logic you use, you're going to wind up in the same damn place. So it's like an emotional thing that needs to happen. So I'm going to leave you with a different kind of meditation practice. If that's okay. Is it okay if I give you a meditation practice and we wrap up, or do you have other questions? No, I'm fine with it. Let's, let's do it. Let's do the meditation. Okay. If you want. I want to give you a koan, because I think that a koan is like one of these paradoxes. Hmm. Um, but I have to try to think about, I'm just trying to think about a good koan. So it's like something that meditators use to try to break themselves out of this intellectual cycle. Because your okay. intellect will like, so it's something that fundamentally doesn't make sense. Um, okay, the so trick this is accepting that it doesn't make sense. No, no, it, it, there's no trick to it. The point is that you have to abandon all tricks. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to watch a rock grow. Okay, I can do that. Okay, just watch a rock grow. Sounds like fun. Okay, good. That's the point. Okay. Well, that's sort of what I've got for you, Zorian. I didn't mean to, uh, hopefully I wasn't too abrupt with how we ended things, but I really think it's going to get repetitive and you're actually moving further away from like where you need to be with the more questions that you ask. And, and maybe yeah. that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. 
but you're now we've re-engaged your intellectual mind and all your questions are like, I think we like, we had a couple of wins in there when you were like, this feels deeply uncomfortable, like good. That's what we want, right? Like this feels wrong. It, this feel like, so like you're becoming less alexithymic over the course of the conversation, which is really good. So now you need to kind of like practice some of those skills, go see a therapist and watch, watch a rock grow. I'm serious. Like sit down and just watch it grow. And then pay attention to all the things that your mind does. At first, it's like, oh, look, like it's this is going to be the trick that teaches me things. And then that's going to be there for a little while. And then you're going to be like, actually, this is stupid. I'm not the trick isn't working. And then your mind is going to tell you to stop. And then you're going to be like, no, no, no. If I continue, then I'll discover the trick. I'll discover the trick of it. And then you're going to be frustrated again. You're like, there's no stupid trick. There's no it's dumb. And then like, if you continue with it, then hopefully you'll figure it out, but there's no trick. And as long as you think is that there's a trick, you won't find it. <laughs> right, right. So you're telling me that if I sit long enough with this, eventually I'll get used to it. Nope. I don't know well, what's what, going to what, happen. Okay. I'm telling you it's a waste of time and you should do it anyway. I like that. Okay. Right. Okay. Good luck to you, Zorian. And thank you very much for coming. I hate the fact that it's ending so soon, but yeah. I understand it can feel unsatisfying, but this, this is it. I hope you don't view this as an end. I really think like this is an important beginning and we're not, I'm I'm happy in a weird way that you feel a little bit hungry because like that means that this was good for you. And so like, I encourage you to go eat again, like find a therapist, seriously. Okay. Take care, man. See you, man. I love you. Love you too.